what we are doing is to invoke the power of God. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what we are doing. We are invoking God's power. There's nothing that we are doing in this life that is by our own power. Everything is by the Spirit of God. What that means is that God supplies enablement. He pours a spirit that makes things possible into us. When we want to study the word, it is not because we have a preacher that preaches well. It's not because we are very educated. In fact, there's one man that read his books and listen to some of his messages. He said there's what is called grace apparatus for perception. Did you hear that? Grace apparatus for perception. <laughs> the English alone is difficult for anybody to understand. But what it means is that anybody can understand the revelation of God. That's what he means. He said anybody. That you don't have to be educated, you don't have to be intelligent, you don't need any of those things. That if the revelation of the word of God comes forth, anybody can understand. And he calls it the grace apparatus for perception. I wish I used a simple word like anybody can understand. <laughs> Alright, so what we are doing is to just invoke that grace apparatus for perception or anybody can understand by declaring the word of God. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you are alive and you are well, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's declare God's word as we study, as we begin to study the word of God today. This is our declaration. One, two, go. Now, now I, I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And as a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruits in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let's take the last stanza again. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. It is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and begin to study for today. Now that you have declared God's word, that will be your experience today in the name of Jesus. I said that will be your experience. The word of God will enter into your heart. God will give you the knowledge of his will. You will have spiritual wisdom and understanding. You will walk in a manner that is worthy of being one that bears his name. And listen, you will bear fruit in every good work. In the name of Jesus Christ. Healing is your portion. Wisdom for direction is your portion. Wisdom for salvation is your portion. In the name of Jesus. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, please give me a warm amen. Amen. Alright. Now, let's continue to talk about total faith. And today I would like us to take a text of the scriptures from the book of Galatians chapter 6. We've been reading again and again from that book of Mark chapter 11. Uh, Just to save time, I don't want us to read it again today to start, but we'll just refer to it. Jesus cursed a tree, and that was a good learning point for the disciples. He said, have faith in God. And we said, what does it mean to have faith in God or to have the faith of God? The Amplified Bible tells us it is to have faith in God all the time, continually. And we have been learning and explaining that what that means is that you cannot compartmentalize faith in life if you want your faith to be strong. You cannot say, I will have faith in this area, 
and I will not have faith in that other area. Faith you have in one area is affecting your ability to believe in another area. The emphasis being on that ability to believe. Faith is not just a determination to believe, it is an ability to believe. It's inherent inside you, it is inside you, it is built up over time, and I said faith is a seed. What I mean in that is that every day you are planting the seeds of faith, you are doing things, you are making decisions, you are taking actions, all right, that shows that you are believing God, and the time will come when great faith will be needed in your life, you will find it there. Faith is not close your eyes and try, muzzle and try. No. It's either you can believe or you can't believe. That's the way it is. And I have emphasized something last time that the time of peace is when we build the ability to believe. In the time of peace, we sow the seeds for believing. Last time we were talking about faith for, for, uh, for financial. Uh, we were talking about um, what do call total faith for finances, yes. I began to talk about that last time. And that, for me, that total faith for finances is a perfect illustration of how faith works in different areas of life. To let us understand that it's not when we need money that we start looking for faith to believe God for money. The matter of money, finances, is very broad. It's one of the most important things about life, and we're going to use it to continue to explain for some time. Because it said that Jesus spoke about money more than most other things. And the reason is because it's the way you do things in life. It's a means of exchange of virtually everything, goods and services. And I believe that that's why I was using it to explain how things are. Because, you know, spiritual things you see, God will say, a man, a king went out to go and take a kingdom, and he gave money to his servants. Do, do business with this, he said, until I come back. And that was a type of what God expects us to do in life. What I'm trying to say here is this. The issue of money is a very good thing to use to explain faith, unfortunately. The way we have lived in life, the way we preachers have preached over the last few years in the world, we have helped Christians to misunderstand the principle of faith. We think that if they need money, they should just get up, go and give money, they get more money. But when you teach them like that, they think that is how it is in other areas. When you need healing, you go and sow a seed for healing and you get healing. When you need direction, that's why people start telling you that God spoke to me, God spoke to me, God said I should marry this person. God has never spoken to them to do any good thing. God has never spoken to them to do anything. They suddenly when it's time to marry, they want to hear the voice of God. If that's the first time you are hearing God, I, I, I strongly suspect you're not hearing correctly. That is, is my suspicion, all right? I may be wrong, but it, I just suspect that you're not hearing correctly. The problem is that we think that I now get up and start hearing God. I don't know. I feel like talking about that hearing God thing again today. You don't practice how to hear God. When God wants to talk to you, you can shout. Did you hear what I said? God knows how to shout if shouting is necessary. He spoke to Samuel. Samuel heard his voice, not even knowing that God talks to people. It was a little boy. So loud was the voice, he thought it, it had to be a human being. He wasn't aware that spirits talk to people. So he went to Eli and said, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. You must have imagined it. He went back to sleep. He came back. Sir, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. The third time, someone said, this one, I'm not joking, because the first two times, I waited for you. After you said that, you didn't call. I said, this one, I refuse to fall asleep again. Eli said, well, if you are so convinced, that means you are hearing something. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit helped Eli to understand. It is God that's talking to the little boy. So he said to him, next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That was his first training. He heard God before he understood how to respond. Most, most times people tell me that uh, God, said, God said, I get, let me just tell you. Eh? If you want counsel from Banky, don't tell me God told you. 
because I will never speak against God. I'm not a fool. Who wants to die young? So once you say God told me, I will shut up. I've, you know, I grew up under that influence also. After being a believer for a long time, listen, I started studying the scriptures. I'm not, it's not a bragging thing, okay? I'm just trying to explain that I'm not a novice. Next year will be 2017. It will make 30 years that I'm reading the Bible. Like my life depends on it. 30 years of continual. I didn't backslide any time. Some people say I backslid for six years. I went to the... I didn't. There was not one month in these 30 years that I lost the love for the word of God. Not one month in 30 years. I may have been negligent for some days because maybe of many activities. But that love has not left my heart for one moment since 1987. That I, I'm not saying that was when I gave my life to Christ. I mean that that was when we began to study. I read my first Christian literature in 1986. Get me clear. So I've read many things too. I've considered a lot of things. And I think most Christians don't know the meaning of hearing God. They don't. I'm being careful not to get, you know, sidetracked into that now. I want to teach on total faith. All right? Why I'm just bringing up that issue is that, listen, it's not when you suddenly need something, you suddenly start hearing God that has never spoken to you before. Most of those times, you hear nothing. Whatever you hear is confusion. You say, I know the voice of God when I hear it. So did Balaam. Balaam was good. Balaam was not even confused like most Christians are. He knew God spoke. It was a conversation. Yet he heard wrongly. How do I know he heard wrongly? Because as soon as he went out to obey God, an angel of God stopped to kill him. He heard wrongly. Now, what is, what is the point I'm going to make in all of that? All right, let me not um, sit on it. I'm just going to emphasize the fact that hearing God, so to say, is not skills you develop to pick up certain frequencies. You persuade him to talk when he doesn't want to talk. No. You will get your heart ready by obeying him all the time. You will get your heart ready by obeying him all the time. That's what I'm going to say. It's a constant thing. It is a constant thing. You obey the word of God every time. Every moment. That is what gets you ready. When he now wants to speak, when speech is necessary, it's hardly necessary. All the years of Abraham, God spoke to him maybe like four or five times. It's hardly necessary. You have a Bible. Read it. Obey the principle. Listen to messages. You have come here today. Let me tell you the truth. God is talking to you. I do not speak of my own accord. I'm giving you the word of God. That is how to hear God. I say this jokingly, but I mean it seriously. A brother asked me, did God speak to you about the wife you married? I said, yes. He said, what, how did he say it? I said, the officiating priest said, I pronounce you man and wife. That's how you knew it was your wife. Yes, until that time, no, I wasn't sure. I was just trying. Once, once he prophesied, because it, it was officiating the marriage of a man of God, he had to prophesy. The anointing came upon him to prophesy. It was not a normal thing. It was my wedding. He had to prophesy. So when he spoke, it was God. The brother was surprised. 
I'm not saying God doesn't talk to people to marry. No, of course he does. I'm just trying to say that most of the times, what he expects is use sound principles to make decisions. Also, Chamber says that a normal child of God walking normally with God descends the will of God without even knowing he's making anything, he's not, he's making any serious decision. What we need to do is clear our hearts so that we can do what pleases God. God sometimes speaks, oh God, I wish you understand this about God very well. Many people who talk about him don't understand him. When they say he's a father, they, they think that he's a, he's, a, he's a bad father. What do you mean by a bad father? A bad father that spoils children, gives them, give them anything they ask for. So they say he never says no. I don't know how we believe that. Because sometimes you are asking for things you should not have. And if you have the sense, the mind, the heart of a father to say no, I won't give you that one. After all, Jesus told us clearly, there are times his will differs from your desires. True of us? I can prove it. He said this cross is too hard. If it's possible, let it pass away from me. I don't want it. He said, nevertheless, your will. Jesus was saying my desire and your will are two different things. Your will has to stand. Who says he does not say no? I am not saying that the fact that you have not received what you are asking for means he has said no. That's not what I'm saying. But that he does sometimes say no. I'm not going to make an issue here. When we're talking about the will of God, hearing God, listen. We use his, he's a father. We must understand how the father, his kind of father he is. He's a perfect father. That he reasons, he plans. He has rules, he has principles you walk by. If you are going wrong, now listen to this, this is a matter of fact. If you are making a decision, make sure all your decisions are based on sound spiritual principles. That's why we have to keep learning. That's why we can descend the will of God. That's why we can understand the will of God. That's what the Bible says. We can understand what the will of God is. Sometimes people pray, God, God, speak to me. Should I take this one or take that one? So, you know why God doesn't so-called speak directly? Because the so-called speak does not cause you to develop spiritually. Because there's something God does, two things he does in your life. One, he wants you to do what is right. Then he wants you to be able to educate people coming after you. If every time he just says, yes, no, you can't educate anybody. That's why people tell me that, what has God said to you? Sometimes we, um, Christian leaders, we actually shy away from being responsible in helping people. He said, you have to go and hear God for yourself. I knew that when I came to you. What I want is you to give me sound spiritual counsel. A brother came to me once. He wanted to propose to a woman. Just out of respect, he said, let me come and tell me. He says, I was just thinking about this. I said, good though. Then he told me one thing. I said, don't try it. He never married that girl till today. He, he didn't have the mouth to propose marriage again. Why? Because he told me something. I, I can't go into details now. And the moment I heard it, I said, this is wrong. You cannot propose marriage under these circumstances. He was shocked. I told him one or two things. With all the, he felt God spoke to him. When I opened my mouth and talked, he didn't, he didn't hear God. Because I said to him, what you're about to do, you're breaking too many spiritual rules. A lady was talking to me once. He was engaged to a lady, to, to a brother. And we're talking and talking and talking. He does like this, does like this. And I said, what if? I said something. I can't remember exactly now. 
She now said, what if he says this and I don't agree? I said, if you can't trust him to make decisions, don't marry him. I don't know why that's, that's why she broke the marriage engagement. I don't know. If you don't think a man can make decisions for you, you must be out of your mind telling him I do. I do what? People don't even know the word husband. Husband is not a boyfriend. Though. Ooh, boyfriend and husband, two different things. Husband is not Mr. Nice Guy that's there. He an ever-present help in the time of need. You know, that's God. But the way we... Te- uh, no, you don't. Are you married? You don't. That's why you're talking nonsense like that. If you were married, you would know... <laughs> All the boys around are married. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is what I mean. When we're talking about what I mean by ever-present help, of course, I'm adapting that scripture. God is our ever-present help in the time. But when I want to help women, I say, you know, you women, you treat husband like an ever-present help, only in the time of need. If we don't need him, we don't remember him. <laughs> That's the joke in it. <laughs> you know. A husband is not just an ever-present help, that is. The bulb is burnt. Your phone. Honey, where are you? The bulb has burnt. <laughs> That's not what a husband is. I'm not, he will do all of those things. I must say he won't. But it's much more than that. He takes over spiritual authority from your father when you marry him. When you marry him. Before, if your father says no, you can't do something. Now, if this boy says no, you can't do it. Some people actually think their husband's words an opinion. One of the things I talked to my wife was, listen, my girl, my word is not an opinion. It's your friends that have opinions. I don't have an opinion, I have a word. That's a lot of people don't don't realize. Listen, girls, your husband's word is not an opinion. It's a word that carries power. You don't just discountenance it like he said nothing. So, if you are not ready for that, don't marry the guy. Don't marry him. No be fight. It's clear in the scriptures. See, being single may be far better than being married. It's there. We have many scriptures to show it. You know what I'm going to explain in all of these things? I want you to get the point. Alright? Talking about principles. I told that woman that day, I said, listen, if this guy, if you don't trust him to make decisions for you, please don't marry him. And let me tell you guys, make it clear, any lady you want to marry, that you tend to be a husband, not a boyfriend. And please, I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm the boss. I mean, you have to be responsible. You have to use your head well. Enough watching of football, it will make you a good husband. You can't spend all your time watching football and you want to be a good husband. For goodness sake, and I'm being practical about this. Change the channels. Watch things that make you speak and your words have respect in the home. You don't be talking like anytime you want to talk. All you, all you know, <laughs> you grumble like the whole generations of the earth about well. And you respect your wife. You, she will still respect you, but don't make the work hard. We don't, I mean, we shouldn't be honoring and respecting you by force. As I'm praying, say, Lord, this is my husband. You know, say, now, we're waiting for you. <laughs> Please, don't make, don't make her work hard. Sharpen your spiritual senses. 
Read scriptures. Let her call you and say, please, I'm confused. What does God want us to do? I'll be getting my point. You know, this, the apostle, there's one problem with marriage seminars. Marriage talk. Once you get there, the spirits will hold you down. All their spirits just grab you like this. You know, they go, you will not go until you have blessed us. Hold your trousers like this. Give me my hem of garment. Let me preach my message. The Lord is good. Now, please, let me just get back to it. So, I'm just going to bring out an issue here. That where I went into that, I'm trying to explain to you. I just told a lady something. I told a guy something based on spiritual principles. And that was the word of God. Follow what is right all the time. I remember I was saying something about God being a father. When you want to go wrong, he can stop you. What is the will of God? My pastor will say those in Lagos. He said, do the right things. The consequence is the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. Do what is right. The consequence is the will of God. Follow precepts. Follow divine principles. Follow divine order. Do what is right all the time. That is when you will know that you are discerning the will of God accurately. If God has to interpose with a special manifestation like a voice or a dream or vision, he will. I'm talking about total faith. Let me not forget what I'm talking about. The fact that faith is total. I'm just using this as an example. That hearing God also is total. It's something we do every day. We follow the word of God every time. We follow it every day. We walk by precepts, by divine principles every time. And when he has to speak, he knows how to speak. That's what I'm preaching. Total faith. So I've been saying, faith is not something that we pick up only when we need something. Faith is how we live all the time. And great faith comes to us when we operate by our mustard seed faith every single time. That is how great faith comes to us. Our faith is strong if we operate, listen, by the mustard seed faith all the time. In little decisions, we operate by faith. When you need to lose more money, lose it by faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's when you sow your seeds of faith. That is when you sow your seeds of faith. So that one day, without even realizing it, you look at a tree and say, this tree is useless. Nobody will eat from it again. And you'll pass. And the tree will wither. Please go and listen to our series again. The Habitation of God. I explained this thing a lot in there. Especially when I'm talking about words. Having, you know, having a heart that can receive the divine presence. Preparing your life so that God can dwell in you. So that when you open your mouth to speak, it's God that's talking. It's the same line that we're discussing. It's something like that. So that we're talking about total faith. Faith has to be continual and all round if it's going to be strong. And that's how we began to look at that issue of finances last time. Let me get back to it now. I've made a statement. Let me repeat it again. If faith will be strong in a time of trouble, it must have been built in the time of peace. God gives us times of peace so we build up our faith. That is, we make decisions when we're not in distress. When, it, when the decision is just on small things. Nobody is saying, go into the fiery furnace if you don't bow to an idol. He's just saying that this is um, food offered to that idol. And this is food that is clean. Choose one. No pressure there. You make your choice concerning ordinary food. That's what I mean. 
Now let's continue from that point, just reviewing and amplifying some things that we have said. Did I say you should open somewhere? Yes, our text scripture for today. The book of Galatians chapter 6. I want to continue what I began to explain last, last time about um, total faith for finances. The book of Galatians chapter 6. Now in the book of Galatians, Paul was saying many things. Many of them were kind of single points. And that's towards this particular portion. In verse 1, it said, Brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, he was talking earlier about walking in the spirit. So he was just saying, if, if somebody goes wrong, this is how to handle the fellow. He explained it to them. He said, what you do is you bear one another's burdens of that falling into trespass. Restore the fellow. And I went ahead in verse uh, 4. He said, but each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. That is, not comparing himself with another. You can boast on your own personal improvement in life. For each one will carry his own load. That's I'm not saying it will go into the issue of you live all your life for yourself. Said so in verse 6, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches. Now let's look down in verse 7. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart, he says, in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, let me just stop reading this one here. I want to bring out an issue here. My most important verses here are verses um, 7 and 8. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And there's another scripture I want to read, all right? Maybe it will help me if I can quickly find it. It just came to my mind as I began to, as we just began to study now. Please open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. I want to bring out something here. Because the portion I want to refer to is quite long, so I'm going to read and jump, all right, here and there, so as to save time. From verse 20. Solomon says, Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. Now, you'll notice I'll just be leaping beyond some lines. What I'm trying to do is to save time, okay? Verse 22, he says, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And fools hate knowledge. He said in verse 23, Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. He said, verse 24, Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm. In verse 28, he said, Then they will call, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently at that time, 
but they will not find me. What is the reason? Because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. Let me just complete reading. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. And there's a reason why I read this. It's very important. I've been emphasizing the fact that life has seed time and harvest. Harvest time. Let me just emphasize this to us again. God is very good, amen? amen? But because life has seed time, harvest, life has seasons. It is not everything that we do, all right, that will work if we do them out of the season. I don't know whether you're getting my point. There are things you're doing, they won't work simply because the season is not right. And this is one of the most dangerous messages. I don't even like preaching it, but I have to. Because sometimes it scares me myself to realize that you don't have all the time in life to make the right choices for God. That is, concerning serving Him. You don't have all the time. God counts time, literally physical years. He can say by the year 2018, if this boy, if this girl, if this young man, this young woman hasn't done this concerning making the right choice in following me, I will cap the fellow at this particular level. Now, years later, he or she will be struggling, but a barrier has been built over his head. He can't break through it. And that was decided 20 years before. The fellow does not know. These are realities. From the time you start hearing God's word, you don't have forever to make right choices. <laughs> Jesus said there's what is called the time of your visitation. People think it's any time you just get up because God is merciful. That's what Solomon was saying here. Wisdom said, right now, I'm crying. And listen, John the Baptist, which, who I said represented the first and second days of the Lord Jesus, who was the third day of the visitation of God, he did not do any mighty work. All he did was to preach upon known laws and prophecies. Everybody understood repentance, but he came and preached it with a new force. When Jesus came to start healing the sick, those who did not listen to John got nothing from him. They would struggle to believe they couldn't believe. Because the time you sowed the seed for believing was why John was around. Jesus looked at Jerusalem. He said Jerusalem did not understand the time of his visitation. That God said, listen, this is the time I'm preparing you for what I will do later in your life. Listen, listen. Go and read my book, Choice is Key to Destiny. Then Beyond Gifts and Talents. Read those books, please. That's the reason I'm recommending them. You don't have all the time in life as a believer to make the right choices. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have all the time. You can't leave what is, doing what is right till tomorrow. Think tomorrow, two things happen to you tomorrow. One, it may never come. It may also be too late. Unfortunately, when it is too late, you won't even know it's too late. There's a reason why I'm raising all of these things. You see here in the book of Proverbs, Solomon was, was saying, he was speaking for God. He said, wisdom is calling. And wisdom said, you have the time to listen to me. The time you will need me desperately 
Maybe the time I will not listen to you. Why? Because you were supposed to sow the seeds for me to hear you later at a particular point in time. And But this is what Satan does. Satan gets us distracted. He gives us other forms of wisdom. Please bear this in mind. I can't develop in details, but I'm trying to use it to set up something. I'm talking about total faith for finances. Now listen to this. I'm not going to my message. All of this is recapping. All right, just trying to recapitulate what we said earlier, trying to amplify, establish certain principles, and then now I can get into the main thing I want to say. We read from that book of Galatians chapter what six. What was it that we read there? The fact that life has different force fields. Let me put it like that. Last time I was talking about seed. That money as a seed cannot be sown into the realm of the spirit. That is why you cannot give Naira and say, God must give me money back. It doesn't work like that. You can give money and God gives you your life back. You can give money and God gives you a wife. You can give money and God gives you a child. You can give money and God delivers your child from death. It doesn't tie that physical, the, if I sow money, I reap money. That is why I don't believe it won't be, because it's not scriptural. That if I want to prosper, be given money. It doesn't work like that. I said to us before, that what the spiritual realm sees is the adjective that qualifies the money you give. Is it a money of love? Is it a gift of honor? The Shunammite woman gave to Elisha as honor. And God gave back to her. He said, he that honors me, I will honor. He didn't give her money. He didn't give her a house. Elisha, speaking for God, said, what do you need? The woman said to him, nothing. I don't need anything. It was the, the, the prophet's servant that said, she needs a child. He said, call her here. And he prophesied the son into her life. Honor was what she gave. If God chooses to give you the very thing you gave back, it doesn't make it a law. What it, shows, what it just simply said is, if he that shows mercy, we obtain what? Mercy. So you see, it's a spiritual substance. The physical substance is what carries the mercy. But it's what is inside that enters into the realm of the spirit. Please, bear that in mind. I said that last time, okay? Now, this is why I'm saying all of this. I said that to bring out an issue that life has different fields. The field of physical finances is different. That one is markets, is banks, is stock exchange. If you want to sow physical corn as a seed, you have to go into physical soil. But if you want to sow physical corn as a spiritual seed, it is why you are giving the corn that becomes an issue. You get my point here. Now, so, you see there's physical field, there's spiritual field, there's financial field, all right? There are different fields. Now, this is how it is. The kind of field you are sowing into in life determines what you get out of life. And that's what Paul said there in that book of Galatians. He said, he that sows to the flesh, we from the flesh reap corruption. That is, you can sow to the flesh and you can sow to the spirit. You choose one. And this is how it is for us believers. We must be careful that whatever we are doing, we are doing as sowing to the spirit. That's why Paul even tell you that even if you are working, don't think that you are working for the government. Look at it like you are working for God. Are you seeing my, my point there? Because sometimes you go to the office. I mean, I work in government circles. 
you know, if I eventually any office. Those is my wife used to work in the bank. <laughs> she had the boss. That everything he said, anything you do, he said, it's an appraisal matter. So people liked to do eye service for him because it's an appraisal matter. So when Paul was going to teach us believers, he said, no, never do anything like that. Anything you are doing, just assume that God is on the other side and you are doing it towards him. That is what it means when he says, so to what? The spirit. So to the flesh, when the boss is around, they do, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Now, there's a reason why I'm going through all of these things. I'm going to explain that. So that's how we sow to the spirit or sow to the flesh. We can be doing the same things. Two people doing the same things. But one is entering into the realm of the spirit. The other is entering into the realm of the flesh. That's just what I'm going to explain. The motives, the propelling force behind what you do is what decides whether you are going into the realm of the spirit or you are sowing into the realm of the flesh. And if you sow into the realm of the flesh, he said you reap corruption. Please bear this in mind. He said, what has this got to do with total faith for finances? And let's get back to it. Again, when it comes to financial matters, now I'm, back, I'm sitting on it now. Faith for finances. I've said many things. You'll be able to tie them together. Faith for finances, I began that last week, is not when you need money that suddenly you find faith you did not have in the time of your peace. Remember that. I explained last time that, listen, Paul, we, wrote that, we read that from 1 Timothy chapter 6, right? Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read that Paul wrote to Timothy that he should instruct those who are rich in this world not to put their hope in their money, but to put the hope in God. And we said, what does that mean? That is a practical manifestation. Is that when a man's hope is not in his money, if his faith is not in the material things he has, Paul said, you will discover generosity. Readiness to share. That's in verse 17. You find generosity, readiness to share. And I said, being a cheerful giver is not like the man is trying to give money so as to get more. It's because he says, my faith is not in my money. You are getting my point. So when he's in distress, it is not as if God says, I have seen the money you give. God is just saying, your faith was never in your money. You exercised faith when you had, when you had money. And it manifested in your generosity. So that when you don't have money, your faith is strong. It was built when you had. Are you getting what I'm going to explain here? And that's why I wrote the book, Great Faith Can Be Yours. I said in that book, the widow of Zarephath, that Elijah went to her house when the brook where he was dried. Now, you find out that that woman, we keep on asking ourselves, why did she believe Elijah? A man you do not know walks up to you. And says to you, I am a prophet. Give me water to drink. And you are going to the house to go and get the water. Then suddenly he turns around and said, it's not only water, oh please. You need to bring something with which I will drink the water. Then you tell the man, sir, all I have left is this food. That is just enough for two people. You know the story now, of course. Then the man now says, all right. He said, my son and I are supposed to share it. And that's the last meal. He said, go and make more for me first. When you have finished making my own, and I have finished eating, you cannot go and make for your son and yourself. Because thus says the Lord. Before I came here, the Lord spoke to me that that food will never finish. As my God lives, <laughs> this is modern days. You've heard that in every time. You've heard it. What happened? Nothing. Some people have gone to recover their offering. People have done it now. 
Say, sir, that the one you preached that message, I gave 100,000. That was nine months ago. You said in two weeks. <laughs> I waited. But since the deal did not work, this, are, this has happened again and again. It has happened again and again. Now, I don't think it is today he started. Those days, there were jobless guys going around claiming to be prophets. There are all kinds of prophets in town. You, listen, if you believe every prophet, prophet it is not because you are spiritual, it's because you are gullible. For everybody that says, does says the Lord, you believe him. Don't think you are spiritual, you are gullible. <laughs> Don't think you are walking in the spirit. Everybody that just comes to town, God spoke to me. You know, for a long time, I was very patient. When I was, yeah, that's what, the word is patient, right? Yes, I used to, when they say, when they come on TV, God said, God said, God said. I said, maybe he said. Now I know he's a lie. Even God said it himself. I did not send this man, yet they ran. It's in the Bible. Two prophets prophesying at the same time. He said, in two years, God says the Lord. He said, God said, in two years, starts with the yoke of Babylon be broken. Jeremiah came back and said, let me tell you what God really said. You have broken the yoke of wood. I will replace it with that of iron. <laughs> Incidentally, Jeremiah was a smaller boy. The other prophet was an experienced man, had the largest church in town. Cathedral was big. And he stood up with priestly robes, or prophetic robes, and said, Thus says the Lord, in two years, all your problems are over. Jeremiah said, let me just tell you. God said, it's exactly 70 years. And if you want to enjoy life, when the Babylonians come, follow them. That I will not defend this city. Jeremiah explained it clearly. I will not defend the cities, says the Lord. 